Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. We will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. So this is the very first episode of the show. Um, we've been, uh, it's amazing that we, we haven't done one of these before, guys. This is, uh, so I'm kind of excited to have the, the full banter team on a podcast together for the very first time. Yeah. Um, it kind of re- reminds me, Bob, of when we used to, when we did the banter mailbag, you know, oh, how yeah. many yeah. years ago with Ches Pazienza. Yeah. Justin, you're in a very special seat. <laughs> <laughs> They let me near a microphone. That's probably never a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but you've got the Ches Pazienza slot in the uh, three-way here. I'll try not to be that vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be too difficult. Right. Shouldn't be too difficult. But so anyway, I wanted to just chat, first of all, about the purpose of the podcast, which is very simple, um, which is to basically talk about the work that we're doing um, during the week because we spend, you know, um, a lot of time uh, create researching writing rewriting editing putting out these pieces that we do every week Uh, and there's a lot that you know there's a huge amount of kind of reading and research that goes into it and there's a lot behind the article so I thought it would be a good idea for us to you know just every week to chat about a the article and b kind of what's the thinking going on behind the piece that you that you've written it that that week Uh, and just have a general chat because it's nice to connect with our audience because we've got very dedicated um, readers of the banter, and apparently they they like hearing our voices. I don't know. I don't know why. Well, but, it's your uh, voice, Ben. It's it's exclusively your voice that people want to hear. Uh, More specifically, your accent. It's the accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just. Should I just talk? Should I just keep going? I'll just keep. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. My my panties have always have already flown off. So. It makes us all sound smarter. And also that (laughs) implies that I wear panties. So I don't know what I'm just revealing on the first episode of the show. Yeah, this first episode of the show is going well. We're talking about Bob's panties. and uh... (laughs) Oh, we can cut that out later. We'll cut it out. No, we won't. We're going to leave it in there, Bob. Everyone's going to talk about your panties from now on. Um, (laughs) Great. Does Kim know about this? Yeah. I don't know. Hey, you know about... No, she doesn't know. She doesn't know, so keep it quiet. Don't, okay. don't anyone tell. What happens okay. on this podcast stays on the podcast. And all the people we release it to. But yeah, don't worry, Bob. Don't worry. I won't talk about it on Twitter at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you should name this episode Bob's Panties. Bob's Panties. Yeah, episode. there you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. God, I screw myself all the time. Why do I do it? Why do ben, I even open my mouth? Ben Zaxon and Bob's Panties. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I get the fuzzy end of that lollipop? Oh, I swear God. to God. My oh, fault. Right. Oh, We're supposed to be being serious. This is a serious podcast. About very serious, serious issues. Very serious. Very, very, very serious. serious. Yes. Very serious. Everyone serious. Did you hear the intro? It is very serious. It's yeah. very serious. Yeah. In a British accent. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, Bob. Let's chat a little bit about your piece this week, which is um, probably just the members only section, but we're going to talk about it. 
I won't go into huge amounts of detail because I think everybody is aware of of this topic, obviously, because Mm -hmm. um, the other day uh, there was a huge event, uh, a global event, where Facebook went down, Mm -hmm. which was kind of an extraordinary, um, you know, I don't think that's happened for, for many, many years, at least not for that long. It went down for six hours. Um, and Bob, you wrote a fantastic piece about it, uh, yeah. Facebook's Hell Week and how to stop its abuse of power, mm-hmm. um, where you talk about basically, you know, what everybody kind of knows that Facebook is a really bad, 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 bad company. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. In fact, what I was trying to do uh, specifically was narrow down what can be done about Facebook. I mean, we all have our views in terms of, you know, should Facebook go away? Should it be regulated? Should people just organically abandon the platform, sort of like previous social media platforms like MySpace or Friendster or things like that? And uh, and so what I wanted to do is examine those three options, like the idea of well, maybe Facebook will just die a natural death. Or should Facebook just shut itself down? I mean, there was a period of time there during that six-hour outage where I thought for sure that Mark Zuckerberg was just chucking the video game controller across the room and storming off, saying, hey, look, if you want to come after us, I'm just going to turn it off. Well, I'm just going to embargo Facebook. It's sort of like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome with Master Blaster downstairs turning off the fuel to the town, right? I thought maybe that was what Mark Zuckerberg was trying to do. And boy, wouldn't have that been great. You know, I think that would have stripped that decision whether we should stay or leave personally uh, out of our hands. And that would have been my favorite option. I was, in fact, I was hoping that in that six hour span of time, the reason it was down is because they were scrubbing the entire platform of all political content. Oh, so it was in fact, that be nice? <laughs> taking oh. that shovel out of my hands without me having to belabor over the des- decision myself, I thought that would have been really convenient. Like, okay, you know what? Look, um, I can't make this choice. I kind of need the platform to promote my work. But on the other hand, I know that it's a toxic, awful platform. So, you know, I was hoping that maybe that decision would be taken out of my hands and made for me. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case. So, you know, we eliminate the couple of options. First option, Facebook shutting down. Next option, people leaving organically. I don't see that happening. I mean, it may Facebook's appeal may dwindle a little bit, certainly as its user base gets older. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I heard from a lot of people on social media during that outage please stop busting on Facebook. I love Facebook. I connect with people and I have all this crap on Facebook and these groups and yada, yada, yada. And so it was clear to me at a certain point that people just, I mean, despite the awfulness of Facebook, people just don't want to leave it because they've established themselves on this platform. And I think some of us tend to forget that it's Mark Zuckerberg's house. It's his platform. He owns it. We don't own our pages. We don't I mean, to an extent, we don't own the content that we put on Facebook. It's his to do with what he wants. He can delete it if he wants to. He can delete our entire page if he wants to without apologies and without warning. Um, So we're really playing on his turf. And despite that, I think we still kind of need it. And that's basically how Facebook has become an intrinsic part of our lives. And that makes it the same as 
the air we breathe or the water that we drink or the food that we purchase in stores or the goods and services that we buy from other corporations. So in that regard, to me, the only option, the only realistic option for Facebook, knowing what it has tried to get away with over the years, is to regulate it like any, you know, whether it's a public utility or any other corporation to say, these are the boundaries of what you can and cannot do as a social media, you know, uh, Goliath. I mean, it's a, such a huge unwieldy thing now uh, between Facebook and Instagram and uh, WhatsApp now uh, being all being very, very popular and, uh, you know, just really woven into our day to day lives, woven into our relationships. And in that regard, they have taken that um, privilege and abused it. You know, they've taken our ability or our desire to connect with our friends and the pages that we have curate, curated in some cases since the platform was established since 2004, coming up on 20 years now. Uh, Facebook has been around and, and in which we have all spent time carefully building our friendships and our uh, content on Facebook. And so um, leaving is just it's very difficult for a lot of people. So I don't see that as a practical way to, to pull out. So therefore, <clears throat> some sort of uh, series of regulations, and I proposed uh, 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 several of them. Uh, and I, what I wanted to do was propose regulations that didn't necessarily carry with it some sort of First Amendment component. So like you know, necessarily ma making up a regulation that says you can't say this is going to run into Supreme Court issues. So what do we do short of that? Well, there are ways to keep some of the most toxic content out of our news feeds. There are ways to reform the algorithm. And the algorithm, Ben, as you know, is, is sort of the centerpiece of all of our headaches for years now. Uh, yeah, not only, the, the, the algorithm, yeah. I mean, the algorithm has has took the daily banter of, you talk about this in the article, right? The, oh, yeah. the, the, the algorithm has, I mean, it destroyed um, Kimberly's uh, website, web presence, right? They took yeah. the page yeah. down for no, for, for no apparent reason. They throttled our traffic by 80%. I said they took away about 80% of the traffic they were, get, they were delivering us. Right, right. Um, post 2016, I think, was the worst hit. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, they took they took us offline. So they've just got they've got way, way, way too much power. It's like they mm -hmm. have the power of life and death over publishers. Oh yeah, yeah, that's one hundred percent the case. And 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 it used to be different. It used to be where if you posted something on a reasonably trafficked page, you could uh, get hundreds of thousands of views on that one thing because the algorithm let it appear in other people's. If you sign up as a friend with you know, say, for example, the Daily Banter uh, uh, Facebook page, you would get those articles. Those articles would naturally appear in your news feed and those would get clicked on. Facebook has this natural ability to draw in clicks that lead outside the website. Uh, unlike Twitter, I think Twitter is much less uh, capable of doing that. So it was a, a huge advantage for publishers to have a Facebook presence at that time. And then suddenly... I remember distinctly in 2013, it was right before I got married, uh, they changed the algorithm and it choked off all of that supply of traffic to uh, not only the Daily Banter, but dozens and dozens of other publishers. And so that was immensely frustrating. And that's just one of many problems with 
what goes on on the back end of Facebook. And so I propose in this article, um, you know, several things that could be done with Facebook's algorithm in, in terms of regulation. And uh, I'll just run through these several things here. You can certainly read along in the article if you want to. The throttling or amplification of traffic to certain pages has also got to be killed, allowing for a return to a news feed that simply shows us the latest posts. I mean, if you look at your news feed now, you're getting the same crap over and over again. In some cases, for people, it's that toxic political disinformation that they're getting over and over again. Um, depending on who it is, you're getting a, a, a really you know, inaccurate read of what's going on among your Facebook friends. Uh, the practice of charging for increased newsfeed visibility also has to end. We've been seeing like, you know, Ben Shapiro's uh, The Daily Wire uh, platform getting all kinds of visibility because they've cut uh, behind the scenes deals with Facebook. Uh, obviously, no more data mining, no more political advertising within a month or two of a national election. I think just doing these several things would go a long way toward drawing back Facebook's immense and unwieldy power to the point where it was manageable again and where we could actually enjoy the advantages of the platform without necessarily being concerned that our enjoyment will lead to, you know, genocide in Myanmar or, uh, you know, eating disorders or radical right wing militia groups. Uh, storming the Capitol building or people like Donald Trump getting elected. These are the things that I think we can eliminate with just regulations of that algorithm. And so I think uh, <clears throat> I think I basically just summarized every last word in this article. So I hope you still read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important article to read. You know, you, 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 I mean, it really lays out the argument in very... It, it, the gravity of the situation, I think, as well, is, is what, you, what you really nail in the piece. Thank you. Um, and you know, yeah, I think it's it's a vital Im Im importance, really, that we that we do this, not only just for publishers' sakes, but just for, you know, they yeah, right. They essentially, Facebook is, I would say, almost not entirely, but they they bear a great responsibility for the election of Donald Trump, and I think oh yeah, that is, yeah, that's one of the most damaging aspects of of um, their presence on the internet, right? Is yeah. their manipulation um their manipulation of data they're allowing of russian bots to get in and spam mm -hmm. everybody um you know they didn't, Plus they've they, been du duplicitous about it they haven't right. been fully honest with us and even now even this week mark zuckerberg still lying to uh to users of facebook as well as everyone else about uh the whistleblowers allegations from 60 minutes where he's saying ah no 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 that's fake news basically mark zuckerberg was calling it fake news which is just uh again it's adding insult into injury well that's the worst thing about the whole you know their their whole thing it's just it's just straight up greed mm -hmm. they know they know what it's doing and they know they don't have to do it but they know well we'll make you know, $500 million less if we do that. And they just keep doing it because they want that extra 500 million. It's like, do you really need that money if mm -hmm. you're hurting that many people doing that much damage? And their decision is yes. You know, which is really like morally just bankrupt. Yeah. You know, there's no justifying it except for we're greedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I indeed. I think no, that you, really nails it i mean I, yeah again I, I urge everyone to read the piece it's very very important um i think um facebook is the greatest existential threat to civil society really uh, and i that's not hyperbole either um so next piece justin 
Um, Hello. You wrote a fantastic piece this week, um, which uh, which I highly recommend everybody reads, which is the fight we cannot afford to lose. Uh, where you note that the the vaccine is going to be available for younger children as early as the end of this month, and there is now a huge um, disinformation war and and right wing kind of I would say I would call it a conspiracy really to prevent them from getting it. Um, can you just kind of outline? what you saw because you've been talking about you were messaging me about this for weeks before uh weeks before um this uh weeks before you wrote the the, the piece yeah so so um the the right's been freaking out about the vaccine since um biden became president which i thought was a little strange since you know it's trump's vaccine you know quote unquote not that you can see my fingers but whatever and, you know, and it occurred to me that, I mean, it's not, I mean, this is not an original thought, but they're a freaking death cult, right? They want COVID to spread as much as humanly possible. This is what they've been doing since the beginning. Now, I mean, you, people should know if they don't already, that back when Trump was president, they had a chance to step in and try to stop COVID and they decided, heh, it's in blue states, let it spread. Because it was useful to them. They thought it was only going to affect blue states because there's something wrong with them and they're insane. And then it got out of control and it spread everywhere because that's what viruses do. And now that it's everywhere, their whole spiel is let it keep spreading because now we can use it to hurt the Biden administration. And we can hurt Democrats because Democrats promised to get rid of COVID. And the less they're able to do that, the more we can use it against them, which is amazing that if you're the one causing a plague, that you're going to turn around and blame somebody else, which is exactly what they're trying to do, which is why now that there's going to be the vaccine for five to 11 year olds, well, you don't want the kids to get it, right? You you can't afford to have tens of millions of kids. And, you know, these kids have been spreading it left and right. They haven't been getting super sick from it, thank God. But they've been spreading it because that's what kids do, right? They're little <laughs> kids. They, they can't stop it. They, you know, mm-hmm. my next door neighbor, Claudia, right? She's, one of, she's our best friend. She's a kindergarten teacher. She tells us all the time, these kids, they don't keep their mask on. They don't do social distancing. They're forever hugging each other. They're four and five years old. It's what they do. Well, not not the kindergarten. The kindergarten is a five years old. Pre-K is four and five. But they just, this is what they do. Little kids are germ factories and they spread germs all the time. They can't stop themselves. You know, so it's just spreading and spreading and spreading. These are the kids that need to be vaccinated the most. And if you're a Republican, you don't want that. So I, I, t- I try to look forward to what Republicans are going to do. And what they're going to do is they're going to go absolutely apeshit insane to try and keep these kids from getting these vaccines. 
and they've already started. You know, like I was watching a video on Twitter today of a, okay, all right, so over in California, they've mandated that school age kids have to get the vaccine, right? It's K through twelve, especially once it's once it's available, you have to get it if your kid's going to stay in school. And this guy was in his car screaming, like enough that like if he was doing this in public the police would have to show up and put him in a freaking straitjacket. It was that kind of violent rage just sitting there in his car screaming over and over. Well, I'm not going to get into it because I don't know if you want this to be PG-13 or not. But he was screaming at the top of his lungs in his car. No, he was like, okay. Well, he was just like, fuck! Fuck you! It was like, holy, whoa, whoa, slow down there. And it was just really super scary watching this guy by himself in his car recording himself screaming yep. like out of his mind that was a great impression of it too by the way thank you seriously but <laughs> this is this is it was just con- like that i mean the guy was losing completely losing his shit in that car it was amazing yeah it's just it's a level of absolute violent rage like if if gavin Newsom had been in that car he probably would have tried to kill him you know, but this is the le- this is the level of rage that they're being inspired to by disinformation. They're mm-hmm. being lied to. So now this is the reaction. And this is what Republicans want. They want them to be super, super crazy, angry and violent because it works for them. It's useful to them. This is just another version of the Tea Party. And we know this because we found out. You know, the Koch brothers, the, the Koch network, not the Koch brothers, one of them's <laughs> dead, but um, he, they've been they've been passing around information on how to attack school boards and how to show up at the meetings and disrupt them. And it's exactly the same thing they did with the Tea Party. The only thing they're missing is the stupid costumes and a catchy little name, <laughs> you know, but they're literally doing the same thing. So one of the one of parts of your article that I found interesting and incredibly disturbing is that you actually know one of these people. Yeah, the, he's he goes. His name's Scott Pressler, and he's on Twitter, and he's known. As, he he goes under as an under the handle the persistence because you know the resistance, the persistence. Very clever, ha ha ha. But he used to work in the front office at William Ramsey Elementary. Um, this was like eight or nine years ago when we first started, my kids first started going to that school. He worked in the front office. He was super professional, very polite. He was well-liked by everybody. Now my kids that that school is it's, it's um, black Latino and Muslim, right? Right. So you have a lot of middle Eastern people and it's all, it's all immigrants, almost all immigrants, a lot of English language learners and, um, he was great with them. Like he was never rude. He was super professional. Everybody liked him. And then, you know, he let everyone know they were, he was leaving. He gave us whatever two weeks notice, blah, blah, blah. And he left and people were kind of sad about that. They were kind of upset because he was really good at his job. And then a couple of years later, I saw him online. I'm looking, I'm like, Oh, Hey, what the hell. And he's this super crazy right winger. He's this horrible, horrible right winger. And then he became like a horrible, horrible Trumper. And he's a, I looked him up and he's like, you know, super anti-Muslim. And I was like, what the, what the hell? Right. So 
and it's not this is not something I haven't seen before. He hate sells. Like I don't know if you guys know Cassandra Fairbanks. Yeah. Are you Oh, you know yeah. her? Yeah, I'm she I'm was, from the, I the, yeah, I recognize the name. She's uh on Twitter a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with her over at Addicting Info. She used to be super liberal, then she was super Bernie, now she's super Trump. It's the same thing. Hate sells. It's very lucrative. You make you can make a lot of money being a hate monger. You know, you sell that hate and boy, do the, does that that money just starts racking up and she's got a huge following, he's got a huge following and he's just moving his way up through Magaland. But that's all it is. Like it's just it's just he's literally an actor. He's got a He's got, um, I forget, oh, damn, I forgot what the website is, but you know, he's got a page showing that he's an actor, but he doesn't really seem to have a job. He just goes all around the country. Someone's paying for him to go around the country and show up at school board meetings and teach other people how to shout and yell at school board members. You know, it's just another version of the tea party and they're trying to get these people into a berserk rage. And they're going to start showing up now. Now that's going to be for the little kids. They're going to start showing up at the school boards, screaming at them about how dare you do vaccines for kids. They're going to start threatening governors again. The, sec the state houses, the second they make it mandates, like they have to get a whole bunch of other vaccines to go to school. Once they add COVID, they're going to get violent. They're going to start showing them to pharmacies and trying to scare them to stop doing it because it's all about whipping them to a rage and keeping COVID as long as possible. They want COVID. And if you vaccinate all these kids, you're cutting off a lot of vectors. Yeah, that that's a pretty scary kind of... Yeah, that's scary. That's really, really scary. The fact that I think, you know, and I think you're right about that. They There, there is there's political gain. There's financial and political gain to be had from the pandemic. So... As long as they're profiting off of it, and as long as they're driving people insane, you know they're creating political hysteria. It kind of it's in their interest, really, to ensure that this pandemic goes on for as long as possible. I I can't understand why. I mean, they are they really this dumb that they think that a pandemic, a viral pandemic, is just going to go away by itself, right? Without taking safety precautions without worrying about I don't think they've nothing. thought ahead that much. I don't well, think I mean, they're strategizing long term. Republicans don't care. Like Republicans, like actual Republicans, like elected Republicans, they don't care because as far as they're concerned, one, they hate their voters. They hate them so much. They have no respect for their own voters. So they don't care that they're dying by the thousands. And they know they're still going to vote for them no matter what. And they're fully expecting to do minority rule anyway. So it doesn't matter if they lose elections, they have every intention of stealing them anyway. So who cares? Right. So they could kill enough of their own voters that they'll lose elections. They're still going to try to flip it and steal it. And they'll still have the support of the violent terrorists that they're um, training right now. So, but, and Republican voters, well, they'll just do whatever Sean, Har uh, Sean Hannity and uh, Tucker Carlson tells them anyway. So as far as they're concerned, COVID's not really a thing. And, you know, I want to go back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, essentially trying to sabotage Joe Biden by not getting vaccinated. And it and it seems to be working, Justin. Uh, I'm looking at this new Quinnipiac poll. And while it's seem this poll overall seems like a huge outlier, the numbers are really strange. I mean, it's showing uh, Joe Biden at a 38 percent approve, which is just dismal. 
But if you scroll down to some of the issues, uh, it's, you know, give some poor marks here, too, on the pandemic, which is uh, kind of amazing to know. Fifty uh, percent disapprove of Joe Biden's response to uh, COVID, which is shocking, you know, because it's not his fault that these people aren't getting vaccinated. You know what I mean? And he's getting blamed for it. That's essentially well, what this is. He's getting it, it, blamed for it because of the the Delta spike. He's getting blamed because of the lack of, of vaccinations. I mean, look, what what is it? the total number right now? 70 percent have at least received one or is it 80 percent with at least one shot? I don't know how much better he can do, given the rampant disinformation and the number of people who are shirking the vaccines. So it's it's not fair. It seems weird to say that, but it's it's true. It's just it's not a, a, a real reflection on his performance, which, again, either implies uh, outlier poll or just a shocking lack of knowledge and insight into what exactly is happening out there with the pandemic. Well, it's also a matter of the reporting. I mean, if you look at a lot of the reporting out there, they a lot of times you'll see Joe Biden's failing to convince people to get vaccinated. And they never mention the fact that these people have been convinced not to get vaccinated. They don't talk about that part. You know, if if you're leaving out the part where they've been told don't get vaccinated, well, then, of course, you can't convince them to get vaccinated. They've been told not to. How do you not talk about that part? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Joe Biden can't convince someone to get into the water. Why not? Well, someone told him there's a shark in the water. Well, you didn't mention that part. <laughs> How do you not mention that part? <laughs> right. That's like, oh, Joe Biden's not totally responsible for this. You left out an important bit and they don't talk about that. So if they don't talk about it, well, then, of course, it's Biden's fault. Yep. Yep. And often they don't. They really just skip that part. And just keep going and say, Biden, how could you not be taking care of business? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Yeah, it doesn't um, doesn't fill you with hope for the uh, the come. You know, I was hoping that we were going to be out of this pandemic um, within the next few months. But you know, um, given the the picture that you're presenting here, Justin, the the the, the landscape is it's not good. Um, so By the way, yeah. I, I, I want to throw this in here real quick because I'm looking at this number and it's just confounding to me. And we don't need to have an extended discussion about this. But just in terms of this Quinnipiac poll showing here that Joe Biden's got a 54 percent disapprove on taxes. He is paying through his legislation and the Democratic uh, legislation from the Hill. He is paying families hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a month in a child tax cut that is being paid in advance every month for a certain period of time here. And yet he's got a 54, 54% disapprove on taxes. That is effing ludicrous. There's no reason for that to be the case. We get $500 a month now and it's like, holy crap. It's wow. yeah, and, and and people disapprove of this. I mean, something's not making it through, or as I said, this is a, just a, a colossal outlier, and Quinnipiac needs to apologize or take another look at its cross tabs again or something, because it's a it's absolutely absurd. Yeah, um, no, it's 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 again, it's the disinformation, and I the only thing I'll criticize the the one criticism I have with the Democrats is that their inability to control the messaging wars that go on. Um, that we're always, I feel like we're always a step behind um, mm. the the Republicans. The Republicans just fling a load of shit onto the wall, 
uh, and they knowing that some of it will stick, and that Democrats then have to kind of scramble to to a clean up the mess and b get their point across, which gets lost. So I was hoping that we would be a bit more um, forceful with the messaging. Um, you know, again, I'm perhaps leading up to the midterms that that will change, but that you know. They really, really, really need to get their act together in terms of combating this nonsense and winning the the, the PR war. Because again, this is all just, it's about PR um, and it's about um, ma- messaging and it's about ensuring that your message is heard more than the crazy batshit lunatics out there spreading anti-vax disinformation which is actually this this kind of ties into the piece that i'm i haven't published the piece this week because i'm working on a huge piece that will be released next week uh and that's about the kind of new age spiritual i like when you talk about your huge pieces uh ben oh thank you yeah (laughs) bob keep your panties on um and and, uh... (laughs) where where did they go (laughs) <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um, but i'm I, I am writing a a a very long does that sound better long piece all right um <laughs> sir i'm writing a, piece length, that has a lot of words the there, there's a lot of there are many words in the piece that i'm writing um <laughs> that will be coming out the next week um, really um, yeah there'll be many words in it and it's it's uh, <laughs> all the best words. <laughs> all the best words. Um, so yeah, no, I I'm writing about the, this um, phenomenon of you know new age wellness uh, grifters basically who are cashing in massively on anti-vax uh, disinformation. They're they're spreading it, promoting it, believing in it. And it's having a real toxic effect on the discourse. So I think there's another kind of angle. To this, there's a right-wing disinformation campaign going on as well, and there is also the New Ages and and um, what what are now referred to as conspiritualists, right? People who believe in con- they are conspiracy theorists and quote unquote spiritual. So yeah. you know, they they I'm doing a lot of research into this into this piece about um, you know who's behind it, why this is occurring, what what are the you know. Why are people so vulnerable to these to, to, to this disinformation? But there's a kind of confluence of um, of right wing hysteria with anti wellness, anti vax, spiritual yoga types, and you know I remember the QAnon shaman, right? You remember the guy who was arrested in the, in the capital? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he needed special food while he was in uh, jail. Yes, yeah. because I wish could, I didn't remember him. Thank you. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, this guy is sort of the, the, he's the kind of perfect representative of what is happening now out in the ether, right? Which is this bizarre mixture of of far-right, crazy QAnon conspiracy nonsense combined with, you know, spirituality and wellness and yoga and people selling supplements and you know it's like joe rogan right you know joe rogan is is um, a, a wellness influencer mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's basically his gig has always been selling supplements right and now um he's been given this this outsized role in society now where you know he talks about a matter and people take what he says seriously and it's like wait a second Joe, who gives a fuck what Joe Rogan thinks about a vaccine? Who cares what Joe Rogan thinks about ivermectin? He's not qualified to be talking about 
about vaccines. He's not qualified to be talking about public health. Russell Brand, another one who who straddles this kind of weird line between um, conspiracy theory and, and spirituality, and he's now flirting with you know f- um, the the right um, because they have a kind of um, you know there there are there are kind of points of agreement now that they're you know the, with the anti-vax stuff and the hatred of Anthony Fauci with Dr. Fauci. So and we're that's in this, where the money is. Yeah, right. And and so I, it's hard to find. You know, it's hard to kind of figure out where all this is coming from. There is there's and but there is certainly a financial incentive behind this, right? It's like what are they selling, right? What are the what are the the fake spiritual people selling they're they're selling something as well they don't want you to take the vaccine but they want you to take their i don't know colloidal silver whatever it is you know they they (laughs) right they ingesting all sorts of non-approved non-fda approved supplements that they hawk from their instagram accounts so I've been going deep into this uh, in, into this issue, and I'll be publishing a, um, a piece next week. But again, I think there's a it's 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 like a pretty scary sort of um, pretty scary scenario that we're in right now, where you've got this disinformation, and it's just ripping through social media like wildfire. It's it absolutely is really terrifying, uh, you know, and and. Bob, as you mentioned with your piece on, on on Facebook, right? This is where a lot of this stuff goes as well. The, the the conspiracy theories have been spread on Facebook. I mean, that's what happened in 2016 with the Trump election, um, and also now the anti-vax propaganda is being spread on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah. we're in this like extremely dangerous situation right now, where we're, it, it, it's basically an information war. That's how I how I see this now. It, we're in a very very vicious information war. The interesting thing about it, Ben, too, is that there's a snowball effect happening now where you get someone like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, for example, and he's got all the money in the world. He's got all the resources in the world to promote his show. It's good. Same goes for the entire Daily Wire network of shows. That's Bongino. That's uh, Ben Shapiro. That's a, a whole bunch of uh, red hat crazy people doing podcasts. And what they can do is pull from this gigantic, basically a slush fund of promotional funds here, promotional cash that they can spend to buy their reach, to further amplify their visibility by purchasing, you know, the ability to be in front of as many people as possible. And that's obviously extraordinarily difficult for smaller publishers, certainly smaller podcasts like mine. We don't have the resources to be able to do that. So we're at a disadvantage. And so that, in fact, what you're talking about, Ben, kind of ties into what I was talking about with the toxic influence of uh, social media and the ability to be able to artificially inflate your status if you've got enough money to do it, whether it's buying likes, buying follows, buying shares, even buying podcast downloads, you can do all of that now. There's, I mean, a quick Google search takes you right to a website where you can pay $250 for a thousand podcast downloads and you can keep rolling that over, over and over and over again. And so you extend your reach that way and you extend your influence and it really is not something that's based on merit. It's based solely on how much money it is you have to spend. And with some of the Red Hat influencers, 
they've got a gigantic pool of dark money to uh, to rely on to be able to use however they want, whether it's legal defense, whether it's buying their following, whatever. And so I think that's contributing a lot to it. And you, you take that toy away by regulating social media, by regulating Facebook, and it creates a more level playing field, I think. Right. And I think that's why, as you were saying, government regulation is, is necessary, right? Why this has to, the government has to step yeah. in to regulate this kind of thing. But then I guess the problem is then if a Democrat does it, right, then you can, then you fan the flames of all the kind of right wing conspiracy theorists who then say that this is like massive overreach by the government and blah, blah, blah. Um, which that, you know, that's what concerns me uh, about mm-hmm. you know, like when the adults are in charge, right? When the Democrats are in charge and they do things that are, are responsible, they engage in responsible government, they regulate, they, you know, make sure that, you know, like vaccine mandates and things like that. Everyone's freaking out about vaccine mandates. Like we already have vaccine mandates. We already have them. We've already had them for a lot of different, you know, a lot of different diseases. Um, but they're freaking out about this because of right-wing disinformation, right? So then, you know, the Democrats, again, are the damned if they do and the damned if they don't. And and I find, like, it's this horrible situation that we're, that, that we're in where, again, like, the Republicans get to fling lots of shit on everybody um, and then claim it's all the Democrats' fault and then they get re-elected because everybody's yep. angry. The amount of people I know who are kind of angry with the Democrats – are uh, for you know nothing you know they're angry with the old biden and afghanistan and the vaccine mandates and these are the second coming of hitler and it's like uh, you know shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. yeah you know i I saw i noticed this yesterday someone who spent a couple of weeks just completely blasting joe biden for the afghanistan thing which in the end turned out just fine by the way i just want to note uh but that same person um was then yesterday going why oh why are his poll numbers down today in this new quinnipiac poll like well you know you contributed to this chorus of people screaming about joe biden's withdrawal from afghanistan and you're surprised that his numbers are down right now that's shocking (laughs) bonkers yeah. yeah, there's no cause and effect there. None. Right, yeah, right, of, right. Of, of course. Well, look, listen, guys, um, I think we'll we'll end it there. Uh, we'd like to keep these uh, the new podcast short and sweet. Yeah. Um, that was great. I really enjoyed uh, – enjoy, it's, it's nice to chat to you guys, actually. It's really nice to, to, to oh, have yeah, a little yeah. – Yeah, it was awesome. You know what? I, I want to get both of you guys on my Wednesday show, and what we can do is uh, – uh, we can talk about whatever is happening in the news. We can all, we can promote this podcast. We can promote the newsletter, and uh, and and do more of this. I think uh, this is a lot of fun. We'll be there, yeah, Justin. I'm I hope you you'll be there. Um, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be fun trying to schedule it, <laughs> knowing how we all are. Uh, but I will uh, I'll send you guys DMs uh, ironically on Facebook, and we'll uh, see if we can uh, put this together. I've got an opening on Wednesday of this week, so I mean Wednesday of next week, uh, the thirteenth. Uh, but uh, lots of openings after that too, if that doesn't work out. Awesome, you got well, it. Listen, guys, we'll do this again next week, same time. Um, A big thanks to our audience again. Uh, We really appreciate your support. And again, um, if you'd like to support the show and enjoy what we're doing here at The Banter, please get a Banter membership. You can get 50% off 
Um, everything you do goes directly towards the writers and that's how we stay afloat and that's how we stay in business. Um, subscribe to the newsletter and follow us on Twitter at The Daily Banter. And you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash The Daily Banter. See you next week.